so tonight or yesterday by the time you watch this they aired the uh, newest episode of Tales of the Territory uh, uh, talking about the legacy of WCCW World Class Championship Wrestling but before I get into that I want to touch upon last week's because I didn't get a chance to talk about it even though I did watch it um, I actually watched it over the weekend actually I watched it on I think it was Sunday um, two days ago or three days ago actually by the time you watch this video um, and I watched it on demand because I did DVR it and I was able to watch it um, because of that through the on-demand option and uh, talk you know and the main thing for the main focus for that episode was Portland Wrestling Pacific Northwest Wrestling on uh, Pacific Northwest Wrestling PNW and uh, I can tell you as a wrestling fan for a long time that I would watch I wouldn't well I wouldn't watch but I would read the Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazines I would try to get one every once in a while and you know on the bottom in the back of the magazine most of the time and you know, there were various times they'd move it around but most of the time and I think even to this day they would keep it in the back uh, they would have a list of you know the I guess what they would consider the top tier promotions uh, around at that time and of course they had and they had WCW NWA they had USW I think they just became USWA at the time they had WWE or WWF and then you know they also had like Japan and Mexico but right in the middle you know I think right before they talked they showed who the champion and the top 10 contenders were for Mexico and Japan in their respective organizations um, right in the middle they would have PNW which was Pacific Northwest Wrestling and um, I kind of knew about it through that and I think that was through its, its waning years basically its last year of uh, existence and I would I would always hear stories about it you know mostly uh, give credit and a shout out to Wrestling With Regret, Brian Zane, um, who, believe it or not, I think uh, was inspired by the Portland wrestling scene because he's from Portland, he's from the Oregon area, to and he's back there, he's living back in that area now, to basically, you know, go into business with some people and create, I think, what was it? PPW, Power Pro, not Power Pro Wrestling, but uh, basically, what's the show he has now? Can't think of it, but uh, basically go into um, uh, basically trying to, I'm going to look this up right now, Power Pro Wrestling, that's Power Pro Wrestling, P-O-W Pro Wrestling, um, to basically create and uh, be a booker and you know behind the scenes hand person with power pro wrestling and, I, and again he was inspired to do this in my opinion although I don't know if he really said anything because of his love for Portland wrestling and mostly because the figurehead at Portland wrestling on screen was playboy buddy uh, buddy Roberts uh, no not buddy Roberts but uh, buddy Rose not Ro Rose I was just thinking about Roberts from the recent episode they just did but playboy buddy Rose who trained 
Zane actually to get into the business, train him to be a wrestler. And um, he and you know basically that's why I think we have Power Pro Wrestling right now. Um, you know I think you know basically because of the fact that you know I think Zane felt that there's an there's been an absence of professional wrestling in Portland and mostly in the Eugene Portland area. Is um, that need to be a void that need to be filled and with Pow Pro Pow Pro Wrestling which he showcases an episode every Monday from what I understand you know he's wanting to fill that void and he's done done just that and he's had some notable names come through there some that you've seen on MLW AEW you know Impact they've come through there and they've been showcased they have been showcased so you know to me you know I got more of an idea of what Portland wrestling was just to hearing what Brian Zane would talk about out uh, in his videos and from what he found out uh, through his training with Buddy Rose. But the episode I thought did a good job talking about Buddy, you know, talking about what Portland wrestling was, you know, and how basically it had been on the air essentially for base, you know, for, you know, it had been on the air on television for essentially nothing. I mean, basically, the Portland uh, networks, and there were two of them that broadcasted it, um, basically didn't uh, ask for a dime in return from Don Owens or his brother Elliot o uh, Elton o Owens. You know, they didn't, you know, ask for a dime in return uh, for broadcasting them. Uh, <laughs> another thing that was interesting, too, was finding out that you know, if it wasn't for Buddy Rose, you know, none of us would be able to enjoy via YouTube, you know, the footage that we have of Portland Wrestling. Because Don Owens would always use the same master tape to record, you know, to record the weekly shows over and over. It's like he would use it to record one show, and then after he was done, you know, using that tape to, you know, allow the television network or the television station to, to showcase their show, he would tape over that episode with a new episode and then, you know, run it back again. You know, it was like, okay, here's the new episode for you guys. Here, there you go. Play it. Done and everything. And then he would take it back, obviously, and tape over it and say, okay, here you go again. <laughs> you know, you know, so on and so forth. And Len Denton, who was the grappler, and I know about the grappler. I've I've seen I've heard about him in, you know, NW classic NWA, and you know I think he had a brief little appearance in WWE WWF at one point, uh, as well as I think World Class, which I'll touch upon a little bit. Um, he he basically uh, would tell Don Don, why don't you just buy some new tapes? You know, you're going to lose this footage. And Don's excuse was, I don't need to do that because no one's going to care about these things, you know, afterwards or a week later or whatever. And that even Don said, hey, it's just the same blankety-blank matches I've seen before, you know. Um, but, yeah, they they did a good job talking about it. And the and the figureheads that they had on the round table for this were, were interesting, to say the least. They had... Um, of course, like I said, they had Len Denton. They had Princess Victoria, who was also interviewed for Dark Side of the Ring when they talked about Mula on that episode. Uh, they had Princess Victoria. They 
They ha who who else did they have? I can't think of the figureheads that they had um, at that time. Oh, they had Bushwalker. Oh no, they had Bushwalker Luke. He was on there. So they had Len Denton, Bushwalker Luke, Princess uh, Victoria. They had Mike Masters, who had passed away after this had been done uh, back in August uh, due to cancer. And I think they had one more. I can't remember who it was. But anyway, they they all together did a great job. And I will admit Mike Masters kind of stood out as the one that really stole the show when it came to talking about some stories and everything. And in fact, one story he talked about is Rose asked him to go check his house. Uh, to ride with him back to his house before he took him back to the hotel he was staying at. And Masters at first didn't want to do it. Rose said, I would pay you 50 bucks if you do it. And he said, okay, pay me the 50 bucks right now and I'll do it. So he paid him, going to dramatization. And the reason uh, Buddy, wanted, Buddy Rose wanted Mike Masters to do that was because of the fact that uh, basically Buddy legitimately had heat with Matt Bourne. Matt Bourne, who went on to be the original Doink the Clown, in WWF and before that was Big Josh in WCW the NWA WCW anyway they had legit heat because Buddy had married uh, Matt's sister uh, Thea Bourne I think Thea Thea Bourne I think I don't know I, th I think that's what her name was Thea Bourne Thea and of course this you know was this was basically I think originally it was supposed to be like an angle or something like that that got turned legitimate, got turned real behind the scenes. Um, to the point that when Buddy Rose decided to um, basically cheat on th on uh, Matt's sister and go back to his original girl, at that time, Matt got so infuriated that he went to Buddy's house, knocked the door kicked the door open and started wailing and beating on Buddy Rose but but according to some some of the um, reports that you know I think Luke and others talked about uh, they said um, that basically uh, they well basically they described it I think Lynn Denton heard this that they basically described it as uh, Buddy was fighting back as well, like he was scratching, crawling on Matt and everything. And Matt ended up getting put in jail for at least two days for what he did. And then when he got out, he went. But then as soon as Matt got out, he wanted to go after Buddy again. And the person standing in between Buddy and Matt was Buddy's father, who was also a wrestler uh, for the territory at that time. So they touched upon a lot of good thing, a lot of interesting stories here. Some were exaggerated, there's no doubt. I'm not going to deny that. But they, but when you hear it from the voices of those that were part of it, there is, there's definitely truth, but the exaggeration is there. Uh, for example, and I say this with all due respect to the woman, Princess Victoria, who got her start in Pacific Northwest, you know, as a fan and then became a wrestler due to the fact that they took her in because I guess she had no other place to go um, and let her, you know, live out her dream. 
got a chance to be part of this battle royal where the men and the women were going to be involved. And it was all Buddy Rose's idea because Buddy Rose, in and out of the ring, loved to get heat. He loved to get some heat on him so that, you know, uh, people would tune in or come in to attend, uh, basically, to see him get his butt whipped. And they showed this interview with Rose and Victoria where Rose basically said, you know, the women shouldn't be in the Battle Royal, and he basically kind of gave a love tap, a little love slap to Victoria to prove it when she confronted him. And her answer was, well, a kick to the balls, <laughs> literally. So what happened, basically, long story short, she explains that she was like the second to last in there, in the Battle Royal, in her hometown of Salem, Oregon. And this one, it looked like she had tossed out um, I think it was uh, Rip Oliver, I think. It might have been Rip Oliver, because they didn't say it was Rip Rogers. I think it had to be Rip Oliver, because that's the only other name I can see associated, or I've heard associated with Pacific Northwest. Anyway, uh, basically what happened is, unbeknownst to her, after she looked like she had uh, tossed Rip out, Buddy pulled Rip in behind her back, and then both of them basically picked her up and tossed her out of the ring and into a brick wall where basically when she hit that brick wall back first it cracked the back of her head open and her fan and her brother her little brother who was like a couple years younger than her got you know got up to the ring got out of the um you know out of the audience came up to the ring and basically t was threatening to go after buddy saying if you ever touch her uh, you you ever touch her again I'll you know blankety blank you you set of you sob and he had to be escorted out by security. And what, and the reason for this, as Victoria re recalls, is when she went to the back and basically the boys applauded her and everything for the effort she did and went on to ask, you know, who was that? And she explained it was her brother, you know, and everything coming to her, coming to her defense. Their reaction was, wait a minute, so you didn't smarten up your family? Because anybody that was in the business, either it was Portland Wrestling at that time, or World Class, which I'll talk about in a little bit, or anywhere else, uh, usually, if you were in that business as a wrestler, man or woman, you had to take the time to smarten up your family to the fact that, hey, what you're going to see, you know, is, uh, you, know, you know, the stories, the scenarios and everything, it's all an act. It's all, it's all basically uh, rehearsed. That yes, the bumps and the hits and everything are real, but you know everything else is all it's all staged. You know it's basically like a soap opera. And she never did that. Um, I, I'm assuming she did it afterwards, but she never did it you know before that. Uh, they did talk about how Portland uh, ended up getting a commission, a wrestling commission, and how basically this commission did not like them, in their opinion, that they did everything they could in their power to want to put them out and Lynn Denton had to smarten Don Owens up because Don Owens basically didn't want to deal with this commission and he had to smarten him up and say look man I've worked in places mainly Texas where they have this stuff and if you don't work with them you don't do business with them they will make your life a living hell so obviously Don Owens apparently from what was told came to and said okay fine I'll work with the commission and he would pay a fee every week but the commission had, you know, some rules. You know, you had to get, you know, an AIDS test. You had to get your shots. You know, all that stuff. 
But the main rule they also had was there was to be no bleeding. You could not have blood in any of your matches, no matter what, or else you're going to be suspended for a week and you could have your license to book in that town, you know, taken away from you. So what happened is Len Denton, as the grappler, uh, basically was thinking, okay, how do we get around this? Because that's what people have gotten accustomed to when it comes to cage matches or coal miners' gloves matches and stuff like that. You know, it's like, what, what do we do? How do we work around that? And John Nord, known as the Berserker in WWF, said, I have an idea. And his idea was to get, you know, gallons of milk, tons of gallons of milks, you know, and tons of cereal, and use that to kind of uh, basically work, away, work their way around it. And then that thought, well, wait a minute, are you crazy? You know, why would we do that? And Nord's answer was, dude. Have you ever been hit with a gallon of milk? And Denton's like, no. And then that's when Denton decided, hey, what else do I got to lose? So they go to the store. And according to Len Denton, they buy up 10 gallons of 10. I'm assuming 10 gallons or 1 gallons of what it looked like from the footage. They had basically 10 2 gallons of milk along with Cheerios. And basically used it to humiliate Brian Adams. They had Brian Adams, who went on to become Crush uh, in WWF, as well as uh, part of Chronic later on, the tag team Chronic. They had him tied up, went on, you know, to each side of the ring by his arms in the middle, and he was like lying in the middle of the ring, and they're basically hitting him with cereal, with Cheerios, and milk and everything and according to Denton the wealth started to really rise up started to show on um, you know you know on on Adams's uh, chest because of how hard he, they were smacking him with all this milk and cereals and Don Owens wasn't happy about that because as soon as they got back he he lashed into them he's like you have he's like you idiots like do you know how much it's going to cost me to get that cleaned up and it's because of that they got the name of, you know, the Breakfast Club, or to paraphrase what OTR Center would say about the likes of John Cena, Triple H, Randy Orton, all them. Um, you know, he calls them the Breakfast Club because of, you know, the behind-the-scenes politics and stuff. Uh, Grappler, Lynn Denton, and John Nord, a.k.a. the Berserker, were the original OG Breakfast Club out of Portland. <laughs> But yeah, they, they talked about all this and they basically talked about, you know, the final days when uh, the the original head of the news station said he basically took Denton aside and said, hey man, I'm going to be stepping aside. There's this new guy coming in and with this new guy, it doesn't look like your time slot's going to be uh, very favorable uh, to, it's not going to be very favorable to last uh, much longer because apparently... The new guy was more impressed with what Vince McMahon of WWF was selling because everything was already taped, edited in the can. Just plug it in, boom, you're done. You know, you oh, plug it in, boom, you're done, and off to the races we, you go. So what happened is, you know, Denton eventually, after that, met up with Owens, and Owens says, hey, look, man, I'm out of here after the next two, three weeks. Because I think Owens got word what was going to happen, too. And, you know, that was it. That was the end of Portland Wrestling. And um, according to people that reviewed the episode already, like Stall Monster, 
Uh, one of the reasons that happened wasn't just because they lost a time slot to WWF. It's because they still remained on Portland Wrestling, but they got jousted to very late at night. So because of that, jousting to a very late night time slot, things just started to dwindle and go down from there. But overall, overall, it was a, a pretty good episode. Um, I'm not going to deny that uh, whatsoever. I mean, one story they did talk about going to Mike Masters, um, you know, he used to have the full Nelson, like Chris Masters would have the Master Lock. I guess that's where they got the inspiration from. And Masters' gimmick, when he would put it on, or his reasoning as a heel, is his fingers would swell up and he couldn't, you know, get them untied or anything, you know. So, basically, they had this uh, event in Eugene, Oregon, and Don Owens was standing there for his brother Elton, because Elton would book Eugene and some other places, but mostly Eugene. And Don is like, okay, I want you to put, put you know, Matt Bourne in that lock, or in that full Nelson lock, and not let go. Because he wanted him to get heat. And Matt's like, and Mike's like, okay, fine. And that's what happened. He put him in the lock, wouldn't let go. Fans were getting irritated, angry. They had rodeo guys, cowboy rodeo guys, you know, posing as security for the night. Basically pushing people back, knocking them down, having a good time out of it and everything. And Elton's reaction the following week, even though it resulted in a sold-out crowd, was, what are you trying to do, get me sued? You know, instead of like, hey, heard you guys uh, got me a sold-out house because of what you did last week. Thanks. Noah's, Noah's um, reaction was, are you trying to get me sued? You know? But yeah, that episode last week was pretty good, and I highly recommend you guys um, check it out when you get a chance, and I just take the time there. But now we go on to World Class, which came on last night. And I have to say, they did a great job here. The The talking heads they had, of course, was Kevin Von Erich. They had Brian Andrus, uh, uh, Andrus I think. Or, you know, Brian Adrian, I think. Brian Adrian. They had Danny Manning, who was a referee and booker. They had, um, you know, Jimmy Jam got... They had Jimmy Jam Garvin, gorgeous Jimmy Jam Garvin, and surprisingly, they had Chavo Guerrero Jr. Because his dad, Chavo Guerrero, and his family, the Guerreros, worked with World Class, you know, passed through there numerous times. But they did a fabulous job with this one. I, I'm not going to deny it. They did a fabulous job. They talked about things that I don't think even WWF, WWE, I should say, or even De Dark Side of the Ring or any documentary has touched upon. Uh, like, for example, they talked about the fact that when they would go on to these international trips, you know, there were several times that Chris Adams caused such an incident that, you know, he either spent several months in jail for one of them, which he did, or he had to basically be snuck out of the country because of what he did. And the one he had to be snuck out of the country for was they were in Israel, you know, for for an event because WCCW was so over in Israel that when they arrived there, they were basically like the freaking Beatles. People loved them. Anyway, um, anyway, they talk about a story where Adams, you know, goes out to a bar, and Adams, and this is not the first time because according to I think it was who was it? Was it Brian? Was it Brian Andron? It wasn't Danny Manny. 
Was it Danny Manning? I, I can't. I gotta go back and watch it again. But they recall basically because again, what happened in Israel was not the first time this happened. Because what happened in Israel was he was on his own because Chris Adams, gentleman Chris Adams, loved to drink. He was a heavy drink. He would love. He loved to drink and everything. Heavy drinker. But what would happen is when he would drink, he would basically. He would be no, yeah. He would basically um, black out. You know, he wouldn't know what he was doing. Why? You know, he'd get so basically hung. He basically get so drunk and all that, he wouldn't know what he was doing. So what happened is he gets into this confrontation with this bartender in Israel, to the point that as they're getting into it, and this bartender's gonna go after him. Uh, Chris Adams ends up super kicking him right in the face knocking him down and it causes his eye to pop out basically the bartender loses his eye so what happens is because this is though in another country you know danny manning has to get chris adams out of that bar get him back to the hotel and everything uh get the keys because i think the hotel person's like hey you, you know this is what a passport so or something like that Basically, you get here, you got to, you know, this is where you can find the passports if you need them to get them out of here. Or something like that. Anyway, what happens, long story short, Manning finds the passports, ironically the one with Chris's, gets him to dress up in this hoodie-like outfit, put on sunglasses, drive him to the airport, and then basically hoping that, okay, we got, we got one, hoping that, you know, they can get him out, right? And as soon as they get to the airport, according to the dramatization, they encounter a security officer um, at the airport, at the terminal, wanting to see the passport. So, you know, you know, Manning's thinking, oh, please, God, please, God, please, God, you know, let, let you know, please, please let us get through this. And fortunately, the security guard, you know, let him through, or at least let Adams through, and Adams flew out of the country. And I think... I think what happened later, they had another um, international incident in Puerto, in San Juan, Puerto Rico. And I think it was months after they did the Israel thing. I think it was months after, because it sounded like the way they were describing it, it was not that, that both incidents, incidences, if you will, were not that far apart from each other. So what happened is Adams drank again on the plane and the flight attendant uh, got in his face, or at least tried to get in his face, or so something happened, to the point that Adams, you know, basically pulled the the flight attendant up a little bit, pulled him up like this, and I guess head and basically headbutted him, unconscious to the point that it split up, split both their heads open. And what happened? Because if you had a, a pilot or a flight attendant, it's a federal offense even to this day. Um, Adams spent months in prison because of that, you know, months behind bars because of that incident and what he, I think he had done uh, in Israel. So they connected the two incidences and figured out, okay, this is the, this is the guy. So, yeah, you know, that, because again, the way they made it sound like, you know, the way they were telling it, it was not that far apart, the events, you know, so. But yeah, it wasn't. But yeah, the Israel and the flight 
attendant thing were not the first times Adams had been like this. You know, where he'd black out, be belligerent, and all that. Uh, Brian Adrian, I think that's what his name was, uh, who was a wrestler there, uh, he basically talked about a story where he and Chris uh, had done, a, they had just finished doing a show in Texas, which wasn't too, in a Texas town, which wasn't far across from the border of Mexico. I think it was a Las Cruces, or Las Cruces, I think. I don't know. I don't know what it was, what what town it was, but it was not that far away from the border. So, you know, Adam suggests let's go over the border. You know, have a few drinks. You know, let's go over the border, have a little fun. You know, maybe have a few drinks and be done, right? Well, uh, basically, Brian, I think that's what his name, Brian Adrian, um, said that this was the last. The first and last time he'd ever drank, you know, with uh, Chris, because what happened is Chris was getting so belligerent that he basically said some derogatory remarks about the people there. And basically, according to what Brian said, uh, they were the only people, the only gringos, essentially, in that area. They were the only white people. And Adams got so belligerent that he said some derogatory remarks that basically got the attention of several of the several people there to where they basically went to the side made a you know a, sim, a signal of what they were about to do and that's when brian basically said chris we got to get out of here and they started running and they were running as they were getting fired at and everything so adrian basically said he ran as fast as he could because i guess the town wasn't too far from the border and, and all that, so he said he got out of there as fast as he could, ran as fast as he could to the hotel, which again, I guess wasn't that far away from the border, got back over the border, um, and got to his hotel room, and at the moment, you know, Chris, you know, came back into the hotel, you know, Brian just basically went rear back and smacked him right in the face, you know, and Chris, wondered what happened Chris uh, the next day wondered what happened you know and everything and wondered I guess why Brian punched him and you know he couldn't remember and Adrian had to remind him this is what happened and so so yeah basically um yeah Chris basically the the um pattern there in this storytelling when it comes to Chris Adams was he loved to drink and if you were with him you need to either be the designated um, driver or you need to be the responsible one and not uh, let him drink anymore. Because I think that's what happened with the flight attendant. He was drinking and they cut him off and it pissed him off and that's what led to the thing with the flight attendant. Um, anyway, they talked about that story. Of course, they touched upon the Freebirds and the Von Erichs and how that basically launched WCCW right into the stratosphere and basically was the attention grabber to, you know, get people of all all names in wrestling at that time to come in and be part of WCCW. And they mentioned that when they did it, that basically um, it all stemmed, of course, as we all know, from the cage incident. But they basically say the way that Terry Gordy slammed it, it almost looked like it could have killed Kerry Von Erich. It almost looked like it could have killed him because... Even Danny Manning had to go check on him and be like, you know, to see if there might have been an indention or something in his head. Just the way he swung the cage back. Because if you watch the footage of that match, 
you see how hard Gordy, you know, you know, basically wrenches that cage door back and then slams it in Carrie's face. You know, you would definitely believe like, whoa, we know that was planned, but maybe he went a little too far, kind of deal. Um, anyway, anyway, they talked about that, touched about how good it was and everything, and how it really helped thrive WCCW into the stratosphere. Like I said, and got the attention of a lot of notable names to come in and be part of the company. Um, speaking of the Freebirds, one of the members later on, uh, not just in world class, but places like WCW, uh, Jimmy Garvin, they talked about how Ernie Ladd said, look man, you're good in the ring. Because Jimmy Garvin used to wrestle in Florida, started out in Florida, but he said, Jimmy said, you know, he re he had rode with Ernie Ladd, Ernie Big Cat Ladd one time. And Ernie Ladd said, look, you're good in the ring, but, you know, a sweat jacket and, you know, burgundy, you know, burgundy colored shorts and black boots aren't going to cut it, man. You know, you need something. So Jimmy says, okay, what can I do? You know, what can I do to change myself up? And he remembered Gorgeous George, the original Gorgeous George, had a valet. So he said, okay, I'll do an 80s modern version of that. And in you know, and my valet will be Sunshine, who he revealed, I don't think he's ever revealed this before, uh, as his cousin. Yeah, his cousin. So his cousin Sunshine was his valet. And then what happened is things got heated, not just on screen, but legitimately behind the scenes, when he decided to introduce Precious, uh, his wife Patty, into the story as a subservient to, to Sunshine. Like basically, you know, there's this angle, and they do talk about this in other documentaries as well, but they do they do touch upon a little bit more here. To where, Pat, to where basically Jimmy wanted to give Sunshine something, you know, as a gift. So, when, you know, so he decided, okay, I'm going to do something that nobody else has done, not you know, not presently or even in the past. I'm going to give my valet a valet, and that's when uh, Precious came into the picture, but. You know, what happened was obviously there was some tension behind the scenes. They do show footage of Precious, uh, I think it's not Precious, but Sunshine, um, you know, do, you know, doing that press conference and everything. And then they showed footage of basically the fact that, you know, it was Patty that caused Jimmy to turn on Sunshine because I think Sunshine was supposed to um, help Jimmy win a match, but that didn't happen because I think Precious got into an argument or to cause a distraction or something like that. They caused uh, Jimmy's opponent, I can't think of his name right now, to roll him up and beat him instead of being the other way around. And Precious, in the typical heel fashion, said, it was her. It was her. It was Sunshine. Not me. Her. So, that's what caused uh, the feud between Precious and Sunshine to kick off and be as legitimately real as I think anything in WCCW or wrestling at that time, you know, period. Because basically you, because honestly, even, but let, let, let's be honest, even before this episode came out tonight, or last night, and these details came out, you could tell just by watching footage that there was something going on between these two, uh, Sunshine and Precious, that was not that basically was not an act like yeah they went out there and did business but 
there was but the way they would fight each other you can kind of tell there was something more personal going on behind the scenes and they were just getting the opportunity to let out that that anger that frustration that tension between each other in front of the in front of the world but yeah they gave more details on jimmy gave more details on you know the the issue between the two and and everything and how it got him some heat and everything because of that as well as precious but but overall you know uh that's about it you know they you know they did t you know i think they did talk about the fact that you know the precious you know the heel turned against sunshine also happened to coincide with jimmy's feud with david von eric so you know there so yeah they they didn't go much into more than than just that but to kind of get get it from jimmy's mouth himself that yeah these um you know the you know that some of these story angles uh using you know real life family members and all that could get a little bit more personal not just on screen but behind the screens it's not surprising it's not surprising and even jimmy admitted that the whole one guy two girls a scenario just doesn't really work in wrestling that much as it should have you know even back then um they do talk about how Ter they do they do talk about how Terry Bam Bam Gordy, you know, he could be a nice guy to you if you got to know him and he got to know you. But if you got on his bad side, look out. And uh, they talk about a time that he went and crashed his car into a do car dealership because his car wasn't ready. And he got out of his car, got onto the hood of his car and pissed all over the office floors of the car dealership. And this is ironic because the one thing I didn't mention in the Portland, epi in the Portland uh, episode is they talk about how Rowdy and Rowdy and the Bushwhackers or the sheep herders as they were known back then or the Kiwis the Kiwi sheep herders when, as they were known back then they got pulled over for possession of marijuana they got taken to the courthouse they got taken to the the judge judge's house that to the judge's house at two in the morning and then to the courthouse where they paid a $250 fine and basically what happened is after they left they decided to go around to the back of the courthouse where right where the window was you know looking into the office of the judge as he's counting the the fine money and they decided rowdy and butch to piss all over you know piss all over the uh the window and i think they did get caught but they got out of there as quickly as they could or something like that before anything could be done well once again with this one you had somebody pissing, and that was Terry Bam Bam Gordy, out of anger for the fact that his car wasn't ready. And even though he crashed his car into the dealership through, through the windows, basically the dealership people were like, Oh, we're sorry, Mr. Gordy, we're sorry. They're trying to apologize for not having it ready when it should have been. But yeah, you know, you had stories like that, you know, happening and stuff. You, know, you had a story where... Uh, basically, they talk about how, you know, they wasn't that, you know, where they wouldn't just you know, be, you know, playing the sportatorium in Dallas and all that, but they'd also be going to small, more smaller rural towns um, as well because the money was good there, small audience, but they were, it was good. And they talk about how they went into, I think it was Lawton, Texas, and the main event was Ric Flair and Kerry Von Erich for the championship. And what happened is during the match, Danny Manning, who was the booker, the referee, and I guess security guy at times, um, 
was uh, basically approached by the ticket sailor, uh, ticket sailor, uh, sa sailor, you know, the box office, the ticket box, the ticket booth sailor, or the, the attendant at the ticket booth, the, you know, the, you know, the box office, basically, you know, he's, Danny Manning hears something of, he took the money, he took the money. So, what happens is somebody decides, during the main event, to rob the box office in this small town, and Manning's going after this guy, he's chasing him out, the, the building, chasing him out of the building, he's got a, he's got a gun on him, he starts firing. As soon as they get to this bridge, which is obviously in the back of the building, a little, a, few, a little further, a little away from the building, but not too much, like walking distance, he starts firing at this guy, firing at this guy, you know, in the air, until he runs out of bullets. So he continues to chase the guy over the bridge. The guy basically ducks into a dirt area, and as soon as Danny goes to look for him, the guy tries to jump out and attack Danny, and Danny takes his gun and just whacks the guy right in the head, knocks him down, busts him open, and then that's when the police show up, arrest the guy, and Danny explains the situation, and then according to him, what they do, instead of arresting him for allegedly maybe shooting the guy in the face or something like that, because when he hit him with his, his gun in the face, it broke his uh, teeth, broke his upper mouth and his nose and all that, uh, but, but basically what happened is Danny was surprised when they didn't arrest him, but instead the officer was like, man, you could have saved us a lot of paperwork, you know? I guess they wanted him to be shot or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, according to what he says, is that they decided as a favor to reload up his gun with, uh, with enough ammunition so that next time something like this happens, he has enough, you know, bullets to, to fire with just in case, you know, somebody else attempts the same thing. And according to Manny, when he got back, uh, Rick Flair heard about it, and Rick was like, "What? Did you, you shot the guy?" And it's like, Manny's like, "No, I just knocked him out with a gun." <laughs> you know. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the stories they told here were were pretty good. There, there is no doubt. They were pretty good. Um, again, some of them we had not really heard that much about. Some of them we had, but not in the detail we did. And um, I thought it was very. I thought it was a very good episode. I thought. It was a good love letter, you know, to WCTW, different than what we'd seen any other documentary or interviews or whatever on World Class. Because, yeah, they did touch upon the tragedies of the Von Erich brothers passing, except, you know, with the exception of Kevin. But that's about it. You know, they, they didn't touch upon Chris Adams passing. They didn't pass, they did touch upon Gino Hernandez or anything. You know, they basically this was like a true, which should be a, which should be looked at as I, say, I should say, is a true love letter to world class championship wrestling, and I thoroughly recommend you guys check it out. It is very, very good, very good. In fact, watching this got me to go back and look up on YouTube uh, the Legends reunion on Raw Homecoming back in 2005 in Dallas when Von, when Kevin Von Erich after the legends beat up on Rob Conroy for being disrespectful to them by interrupting them, you know, you have the American Dream hitting the flip-flop and fly, you have Von Erich basically attach the Von Erich claw, and according to someone that commented in the comment section, they said they were there and the whole place was shaking. Because, let's be honest, let's be honest, whether people want to admit it or not, Dallas, Texas is always going to be Von Erich country, no matter what. It's always going to be Von Erich country. 
no matter how big of a building you sell out or small of a venue you sell out, if you have the Von Erichs on there, like if you have Kevin's son, sons on there right now, they're going to get a reaction that's like a pop star reaction, period. And that's a fact. That is a fact. But, yeah, another another very good episode. And like I said, I highly, highly recommend you guys check it out. You will thoroughly enjoy it. Next week, they're going to talk about Jim Crockett Promotions. And they got look looks like a who's who uh, on the round table here. They got Jim Cornette. They got Arn Anderson um, on there. I think they had somebody else. Like, I can't think of who, they, who else they had. But yeah, they got a, almost like a who's who's there. So I would definitely recommend checking that out. I will. There's no doubt about it. But yeah, very good episode. And to me, a very good love letter to world class. And that's all I'm going to say. But that's pretty much my two for one review on both uh, weeks of the recent episodes of Tales from the Territory, Portland Wrestling, and uh, World Class. I highly recommend you check them out. Big shout out to Brian Zane, Wrestling with, Wrestling with Regret. Again, he's one of the reasons that I got to know a little bit more about Portland Wrestling. And he's, the, and he's one of the main reasons why Portland Wrestling is back in the way is back in a way that it is with power with power pro uh, with power pro wrestling so ppw so yeah big shout out to him and um i think brian if you've not checked out this episode yet which i'm sure you have you'll definitely like the portland wrestling one because it's like a love letter not just to portland wrestling itself and its history but also to buddy rose just like to me i appreciate the fact that this one on wccw world class is a love letter to uh, to the company itself because I'll be honest with you when I was a kid and I flipped through the channels you know as a fan you know I would see AWA on ESPN but sometimes I would see another wrestling promotion and I would think it was AWA but looking back at the footage it always gets shared in documentaries and stuff even this one I realized that it wasn't just AWA I was watching on ESPN it was also world class so really appreciate that Really appreciate um, the fact that this was, like I said, a true love letter to to the history of the, that territory. But that's all I'm going to say, guys. Let me know what your thoughts are down below. Comment if you like. Live chat during the premiere. Like the video. Hit the subscribe and bell button for notifications of the new upcoming content when it shows up on my channel. Also, support me over at Patreon.com. So that's BW Roses with the $1, $3 tier. Also, support me at Venmo at Brian-Roma-2, Cash App at BWRoses98, where financially I will get your support right away. Also, support me over at my Teespring store for, con for not content, but for merchandise. You can't get anywhere else except there, especially in time for the Christmas holiday. Also, check me out at BWRoses Discussions. All your favorite audio podcast locations except for Pandora. i got several new audio podcast versions of the YouTube videos you see here on my channel. You will also possibly see a um, you'll possibly also see, I should say, a podcast version of this um, as well. Also, check me out at DeviantArt.com, so that's BVW1979, and at Vimo at BW Roses for content you can't get anywhere else. But yeah, guys, that's about it. That's all I'm going to say. Again, give me your thoughts in the comments and in the live chat, and I will talk to you all later.